Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort fact from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. So, you know, I think we think about this split of the abs of literally being the abs splitting apart, but we really need to think of the woman's body and the trunk as a whole. We have at least nine layers of fascia from the the lining of the uterus <laughs> to the external skin layer. Hi ladies, welcome back. Episode 28. I'm on a little bit of a roll with some episodes at the moment, especially around sort of Women's Health Week. I'm really excited to be delivering today's podcast as well. We do have some amazing uh, folks in the lineup over the next couple of weeks, including Gabrielle from Gather Women's Space, who's a really experienced doula. We have the ladies from Body Confident Mums chatting about body confidence and body image in pregnancy and then also they're really sort of going in the sort of direction of how we can help bolster body confidence and body image body self-esteem in our children so I'm really excited to be bringing those episodes to you over the next couple of weeks as well as some interviews around c-section rates and you know, how Australia compares to the rest of the global landscape and gestational diabetes so yeah some great stuff coming up today however is all around diastasis or diastasis <laughs> or DRAM. Uh, so the, the separation of the abdominals uh, that is common and in fact a normal part of the pregnancy journey. So we're going to be delving into just a little 101. I always like to do like a bit of an introduction and today's focusing on pregnancy uh, and then we will do a follow-up episode on uh, diastasis or diastasis in the postpartum period and you know what the research says and what we can do to get ourselves on track if we're experiencing symptoms and we don't have that spontaneous resolution of the widening of what's called the interrecti distance. Not everyone does and a lot of women will need some rehab to get their load transfer, also to control other sort of symptoms that are related to all of the things that are put out by the amazing process that is growing a human. So we'll delve into that today and as always we really love getting the community involved in what we're doing in terms of our content. So if you've got a question or a sort of, you know, a topic that you're really burning to know more about or that you're Googling. <laughs> oh, we really want to save you from Dr. Google because, you know, in my own experience, uh, you know, of the a number of pregnancies over the last couple of years, I definitely found myself Googling in the middle of the night. And most of the information that comes up is from forums and is other very well-meaning mums, you know, having their two bob <laughs> and saying what they think about a, a particular situation, which, you know, can be really helpful. But we want what we want to do is present the evidence, the research and, you know, just go beyond experiential, which is really important as well. And we definitely have flavors of that along the way, but we want to know what what's the sort of, you know, real and helpful information rather than just sort of hearsay. So without further ado, I'll jump into diastasis in pregnancy. 
Okay, so the first thing I really wanted to note is that separation of the rectus abdominis or the abs is something that, you know, is really, really common and in fact normal in pregnancy. And, you know, some studies have shown that uh, up to 100% of women will have uh, what's called a diastasis or the separation of the rectus abdominis by 35 weeks. So we know that it happens in everyone and it's normal. But what can we do to perhaps slow, you know, the onset of this? And what can we do to strategize ways to move, to breathe, to assist load transfer so that we're not straining across this area and ending up with like a four or six finger width gap that is then going to be problematic in terms of just our general pelvic function, put a lot more load on our lower back, predispose us to other sort of pelvic symptoms. So, you know, that's what today's episode will focus on and we'll get a little bit into the postpartum side, but, you know, but really what it is and how we can really assist ourselves to reduce its impact. And then, you know, it's going to help us to recover faster in that postpartum period. So, you know, most of you will have been listening along for a while and you know that my background is in physio. I've also trained in uh, advanced pregnancy wellness and postpartum as well as prenatal yoga, postnatal yoga, and being a qualified fitness trainer in sort of having the specialist areas of pregnancy covered through there as well. So I would call myself a women's health interested physiotherapist with lots of training under the belt, but not going through the traditional women's health master's program uh, to get to the, my level of knowledge. But I'm so passionate about just getting the right information out there because pregnancy is a minefield <laughs> in terms of, you know, information that's out there. And, you know, as I said in the intro, just Googling in the middle of the night is not really going to probably give us, you know, the correct answers or helpful information. You know, sometimes it just kind of causes us to worry more. So Mama Matters saving you from one Google session <laughs> at a time. So I wanted to start with just an, an excerpt from a book by Diane Lee, who is an absolute uh, goddess when it comes to, you know, research and clinical practice around diastasis rectus abdominis and she states that impairments of the abdominal wall function have been implicated in multiple conditions associated with pregnancy and delivery including low back and pelvic girdle pain urinary incontinence hop or pelvic organ prolapse and diastasis rectus abdominis so you know i think we think about this split of the abs uh, literally being the abs splitting apart but we really need to think of the woman's body and the trunk as as a whole and you know it's we have at least nine layers of fascia from the the lining of the uterus <laughs> to the external skin layer and you know all of these are stretched and impact by the journey of growing a baby and so we can't just think of it as trying to close the gap after pregnancy we want to think about uh, the impacts of the whole trunk region and how we can you know support better load transfer and reduce symptoms of back pain, pubic pain, continence related issues and learn how to best look after ourselves in this time and, and give us that 
that sort of quicker recovery. She also says that the evidence clearly shows a relationship between pregnancy, back pain and incontinence, which is through a study by Smith et al. in 2008 and thoracic posture and pelvic organ prolapse, which is through a study by Mattox et al. in 2000, and a strong association of breathing and continence disorders with back pain. So that's a study through Smith et al. 2006. And, you know, you will hear me bang on a lot about posture (laughs) and you will also hear me instructing and talking a lot about our breathing mechanics and how we can use this to facilitate better core and pelvic floor activation and strengthening to actually make it effective and also to help us to then take that effective work of the pelvic floor and core into daily life. So, you know, when we are pregnant and we're pushing a pram with other children up a hill, (laughs) we know how to effectively breathe and use our core to make sure we're not adversely loading our our back. Uh, You know, we're supporting our pelvic floor. We're not going to be able to stop the load through there because, you know, throughout the journey of pregnancy, there is a lot of load in our pelvic floor and it's not necessarily that we can take that load away, but we can teach strategies to help support ourselves in terms of uh, learning how to activate, to strengthen and when to pre-strengthen our pelvic floor or pre-activate to help us take the load in a better way when we do things like coughing, sneezing, you know, pushing a heavy load, picking up a heavy child, things like that. So it's not necessarily about being able to take the load away, but it's being able to strategize how to move in a way that's going to support our body and support load transfer and not overload the pelvic floor even more and not overload the abdominal wall even more because they are already under a lot of extra stretch. You know, I do bang on a lot about this because of the sort of, you know, research that I mentioned earlier, but also, you know, there there's a lot of other information out there that also suggests the Australian Longitudinal Study on Women's Health surveyed 28,000 women and found that pregnant women experience more back pain than non-pregnant women. And I think that's not something that we would be surprised to hear. Um, And also more incontinence. And I think uh, stress incontinence is, yeah, pretty common in at least around 52% of women that are pregnant, uh, you know, and studies from Smith et al. sort of back this up. So, you know, 50% of us are having stress urinary incontinence uh, and back pain is hugely more common in pregnancy than a non-pregnant woman. So what can we do about it? (laughs) We also know that 66% of women with a diastasis have at least one support-related pelvic floor dysfunction, such as urinary incontinence or uh, a POP, that pelvic organ prolapse. So yeah, again, what you know, we now we know these associations and we know that it's going to be a part of our pregnancy journey most likely. What can we do to help ourselves move through with the least impact as possible and then to also help improve our recovery after? So when we're looking at diastasis, again, it's not just about the, the separation of that sort of superficial uh, group of muscles that's sort of most obvious and so what you'll what you'll see is uh, if you're loading this area suboptimally and you know you will at times notice it throughout uh, pregnancy especially towards that sort of later end for most women when you perhaps go to sit up out of bed and you've sort of sit up forwards which I don't definitely don't recommend but if you're doing that you're getting up out of the couch or you go to lift a heavy load you might feel a sensation down the middle of your your stomach, that sort of midline, you might notice or see a, a coning or a doming, so a sort of protrusion of some tissue through the separated layers. 
and, you know, you might have some other associated symptoms. So back pain, you know, some pubic pain, some incontinence, things like that. So that's sort of uh, how you would, I guess, know if it's there. I wouldn't recommend sort of doing a sort of gap test or, you know, sit up type tests that we would often do postpartum. There's no real need to do it. But what we do need to do is learn how to you know, properly transfer the load. So as I said to you earlier, the breathing, the way that we breathe affects the function of the abdominal wall. And because pregnancy already affects the you know, our respiration. We've got less respiratory capacity because of a physical impact on our on our lungs. Uh, we also have hormonal changes that will sort of go up and down throughout pregnancy when our circulatory system is changing or adapting, especially early on when we get uh, a dilation or a relaxation of the blood vessel walls. Uh, that's a sort of hormonally driven phenomenon. And then we will take a little bit of time for the body to catch up that extra sort of blood volume that needs to come in. So we'll feel a bit dizzy and breathless then. And then obviously as we get towards the end of pregnancy, our posture has been affected. We've got this big forward load, which is going to often pull our shoulders forwards, give us more of a thoracic rounding or kyphosis. The head and neck can be pulled forwards. Um, the lower back is in that sort of arched position. And all of these things are going to cause increased load on the already stretched abdomen and you know make things a little bit more difficult in terms of load transfer, in terms of power floor work and how we can optimally breathe. And so it's learning how to uh, improve our posture and to sort of free up our thoracic spine in a safe way in pregnancy. It's learning how to breathe into our diaphragm still, that sort of belly breathing, even if it's not as deep as usual, but learning to sort of you know breathe at least feeling and, and using the hands perhaps on the sides of the ribs to feel that we can feel the expansion moving down into the, the lower part of the lungs and sort of really letting that diaphragm descend as much as it can in the circumstance. And then it's also learning the correct coordination of our pelvic floor. So I will reference the Pelvic Floor 101 podcast that I recorded earlier. It's episode 23 and I go through how to correctly activate your pelvic floor and then how to coordinate that with your breath. So it's really, really key. Uh, in a woman who is not pregnant or hasn't had a baby, they will usually have a automatic coactivation of the deep abdominals, the transverse abdominis, when they do pelvic floor uh, lift or pelvic floor activation. And then this is, you know, as you can imagine, this sort of neuro connection is disrupted by having everything sort of stretched and displaced in pregnancy. And so it's something that we have to actively train and actively. Uh, retrain postpartum as well because it can be challenging towards the end of pregnancy but if you're doing it from early on then you've got that sort of feeling of the uh, pelvic floor lift and the, the hug of the muscles around your baby up and back towards your spine then you know we can really start to you know help um, reduce the symptoms and reduce the load through this area yeah definitely go back and have a listen to episode 23 on that one yeah and as I started to say before it's not just about the 
gap. It's about the, you know, the whole area, the whole trunk is affected and how can we effectively load transfer. So once we've learned how to correctly lift the pelvic floor and we have, you know, two main functions and I'm going to categorize the pelvic floor into just a couple of layers, but the external layer or the superficial layer is more sexual function and closure of the orifices. So closure of the urethra, uh, closure of the anus, and then the deeper layers function to lift. So when we're cueing pelvic floor or thinking about pelvic floor, it usually close the back. So it suggests that there's more sensation and awareness around the back. So if we close the back, close the front and then lift up and in, we're going to get the best functional activation of the pelvic floor. And then to take it to the next level, we need to be able to coordinate that with our breathing. So it's exhale to coordinate the lift. So inhale to relax and then exhale to close and lift. And then once we've got that, we can start to coordinate that with the hug of the baby. So we can start to use an exhale breath to coordinate the pelvic floor and then to uh, have a sense that we're uh, hugging our baby or drawing the muscles below the belly button in and up to help get that co-activation of the transverses abdominis. And that's really going to help. But we also, as I said before, need to maintain some mobility through our thoracic spine because we're really affected in our core activation and our ability to properly breathe, which then also, you know, in turn affects our pelvic floor incontinence if our breathing and respiration isn't, you know, working in an optimal way. Yeah. So posture, coordination of breathing and thoracic sort of mobility and posture are probably some of the key things. And then once we have learned that coordinated activation, we can then start to bring that into a functional movement. So, you know, when we talk about pelvic floor, we talk about learning the knack, which is a preemptive activation or lift of the pelvic floor when we know that we're going to come under excessive strain or load before we cough, before we sneeze before we lift a heavy load, we would preemptively close and lift the pelvic floor so that we can have that sort of awareness and support of the, you know, of the pelvic floor or on the pelvic floor when it's under load. So we then bring that into the sort of pelvic floor and abdominal wall with that sort of hug of baby. And, you know, that's going to, to really help again, whenever we're lifting, whenever we're about to sort of get up out of the couch. And I'll talk about shortly some strategies to, you know, stop putting as much pressure through that area as well. Yeah. But um, those are probably, you know, the main sort of key things that we can start to do in pregnancy so that we're, you know, having a mild separation and a much easier recovery when it comes to that postpartum period. Because we know that around 40% of women don't recover spontaneously. And at eight weeks, they still have the interrectile distance is wide enough to be classified as a diastasis. So, you know, it's, it's slightly under 60% of women will spontaneously recover. And then there's that 40%, um, which is a super deep decent chunk of women that will need some some rehabbing to, you know, regain function. And when we're looking at regaining function, some women will be able to close the gap and others won't. And from a clinical perspective, what we really care about is uh, adequate load transfer. So when we are loading through the abdominal wall, such as a sit up or lifting something, the sort of common things that we would think of, that a woman is able to you know, keep tension, adequate tension 
inflammation through that area without an increase in line symptoms or associated symptoms that they're having with the diastasis. So sit-ups sort of tend to be coined as like a, a negative thing, but we actually know from some of Diane Lee's work that when we do a sit-up, the, the gap actually closes, but quite often the integrity of the tissue, so the gap might actually close, but the, the tissue in the midline, the linear alba, is, is actually softening. So that's not necessarily a good thing either. So what we want is to restore function, whether or not that's closing the gap. It might be, it's not going to be for a lot of women, but when they can adequately maintain the, the current gap and have a nice firm tension in the midline and no symptoms, then we know they're sort of at that sort of recovered stage and can start to load and to do all the fun things that you want to get back into postpartum. So I wanted to also offer some tips on how to reduce stress through there and through your pelvic floor. The number one thing, as I said before, is learning that sort of knack. I'll take that into, you know, not only pelvic floor, but the preactivation of the transversus. It is avoiding sort of compressive type activities in pregnancy, like sit-ups, things like that. We can do so many interesting and varied things with our core that don't involve sit-ups. Shameless plug for our pregnancy membership platform, RoseFit Pregnancy, where you can get access to physio-designed great workouts, including core workouts for sort of trimester specific so that you can learn how to adequately do this load transfer and to work out in a safe and effective way for your core and for the rest of your body. The other things to do are to, you know, avoid excessive heavy lifting. So I normally say if you're lifting, you know, weight lifting pre-pregnancy that you do need to reduce your load to a sub-symptomatic level. So you're not feeling any midline pain, you're not getting any pelvic floor heaviness or vaginal heaviness and certainly no symptoms of incontinence. But I would also usually suggest that even if you're not getting those things that you're reducing your load to, you know, maybe 50 to 60% of your pre-pregnancy lifting, as long as that's within sort of a symptom-free range. You know, I'm normally someone who lifts quite heavy, you know, maybe deadlifting up to 90 kilos, squatting maybe 60. And I definitely reduce that by at least 50% in pregnancy because of that pre-loaded, pre-stretched core area. Also, we've got hormonal impacts of relaxin and progesterone and a whole host of things that mean that our ligaments and connective tissue is a little more lax. And so we then need greater sort of strength and stability to be able to ensure that we're not going to adversely load the passive tissues and cause ourselves longer term damage. So you might feel like you can do more than that, but you're better off to reduce the load and go more volume so that you're still getting a really great workout. You know, you can work out to a decent level in pregnancy and work out moderately to, you know, moderately hard and move daily for that, you know, that's where we want to, to get to for most women, but we also need to do it sensibly and yeah. And also, you know, just listen to our bodies. So the next tip would be, yeah, not heavy lifting. I would also suggest that running past sort of like, you know, second, mid second trimester, you know, will increase the load on that area. It's hard to maintain really good sort of posture and, you know, glute activation and core activation when we're running and pregnant. And so, you know, I would consider swapping out your running for stationary cycling. I always hire an exercise bike by about the end of first trimester and start jumping on that for a really quick and effective home workout that I can do, which is you know, convenient during COVID-19. I would also suggest some different strategies for getting up off the couch, getting out of bed. You're rolling onto a side, knees together, and then dropping your legs over the side of the bed or the couch and then pushing up off that bottom arm so that you're not doing a, a forced sit up <laughs> because you'll see and you'll feel like you just got nothing <laughs> through that area and you'll get that dome 
grooming. Yeah. And then it's just the knack or those pre-activations if you're lifting a kid or you know lifting prams in and out of cars, lifting groceries, just being really conscious of whole body posture and whole body activation and um, working. We do a lot in our yoga and in our warm-up sort of phases of the, the Rose Fit classes to you know, work towards a more neutral pelvis to activate the glutes, activate the deep core, that that becomes second nature to you as you're moving around. And you know, if you want to have multiple pregnancies, you definitely want to make sure that you're recovering adequately between so that you're not sort of, you know, starting off at a disadvantage in terms of your physicality and you're not more likely to, to move towards those common pregnancy symptoms of pain, continence problems and abdominal separation to a higher degree. So those would probably be my top ones. And yeah, that's probably, you know, the most that I wanted to say about the pregnancy side of diastasis. I will come into another episode shortly about postpartum and, you know, how to ensure optimal recovery. But the big thing I will say is that really, really key, and you'll hear me plug this a lot, but to see a women's health physio at that sort of four to six week mark to get an assessment of pelvic floor and of your diastasis and some strategies on how to, how and what to sort of start and what entry level of exercise that's right for you. Everyone has a different recovery journey. Everyone has a different pregnancy and a different birth. And so, you know, whilst general information is really helpful, I think, you know, the best thing you can do for yourself is invest in spending some time with a really great women's health physiotherapist and yeah, and just sort of getting that assessment. You know, as I said, women will spontaneously recover the separation of the abs by eight weeks, about you know, 60% of women just under, but you know, that does leave the 40% of the rest of us that need some rehabilitation and some guidance. And we will have a really great core restore program coming up too, as part of the RoseFit platform for postpartum when we launch postpartum. So, all right, ladies, always, as always, you know, send in your questions, share us on your uh, stories with a hashtag mama matters, or please tag us at Lenny Rose active. We love when we get positive feedback and any feedback really on what you're loving and what you're not loving, what you want to hear more of and who you want to hear from. So make sure you're jumping on and letting us know and can't wait for some really exciting episodes coming up over the next few weeks. We'll see you soon. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian owned, three times mum and physiotherapist designed luxe active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active active.